welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. We are starting a new series today. It's called Back to the Start. Back to the Start. Let's go back to the start, everybody. Uh, The book of Acts... Uh, is a very, very interesting, exciting book. Um, um, it is a good picture for us of what the modern church is designed and supposed to look like. Um, we've got the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the account of Jesus and what he did when he was walking on the earth and what that looked like, the signs, the wonders, the miracles, his leadership, all those kind of things, his salvation, what he did for us. And then we see Jesus go to heaven, and then we move to the book of Acts, and Jesus is gone, and the disciples are left, and we see what happens in the church when Jesus is gone. And then you go from the Acts, and you go on, and there's like Romans, and then we have the Pauline epistles, which is the letters that Paul wrote to all the churches that he oversaw. Um, And then we have like Peter, and we have like Jude, and we have those kind of books. But most of them are letters on, on what we call Christian living. Has anybody heard Christian living before, that phrase? Christian living. It's about how we're supposed to live and conduct our lives. But the book of Acts is a picture for us about what church is supposed to look like. In fact, it is where church is born in the book of Acts. And so we're going to take the next six weeks and begin to work our way through the book of Acts and look at different snapshots. Obviously, we cannot go verse by verse through the book of Acts in the next uh, six weeks because there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts and there's a lot of stuff in there. So we're going to pick out different stuff and work our way through. And here's our hope that as we begin to read through the book of Acts, we begin to talk about it for the next six weeks, that you guys are at home diving in on your own reading the book of Acts and thinking about things and asking questions and saying, oh, this is interesting. I never saw this before. I never knew this was in here. Or this, oh, this is actually in the Bible? I didn't know that was in the Bible. It's good to know. It's good to know it's in the Bible, right? It's good to know it's in the Bible, isn't it? It's good to know what's in the Bible. It's good to know what's not in the Bible. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you. Kayla's my, um, Kayla's my encouragement. Speaking of encouragement, speaking of encouragement, here's a public service announcement. We're going to start being a vocal church. We're going we're to start being a vocal church. That's just that's the way it is. We're going to be excited to be in church. We're going we're gonna to make noise when we're in church. Don't you love it? I always know where Cam's at in the building. I always know where Cam's at in the building. Because I will stand and worship like this. I don't, I don't typically turn around and look at people behind me. But I always know where Cam's at because I always hear the, yeah, yep, that. And it's Cam's signature call. It's like his meeting call. <laughs> you always know where Cam's at. But listen, it's okay. It's okay to go to church. It's okay to go to church and make some noise and be some vocal and be like, hey, that's some good stuff. Whoever's preaching, when Blake was up here preaching about tithes and offerings, man, I wish, if we could go back in time, I wish we just cheered Blake off the stage. We just cheered him right off so that he's talking about, because we did a series on tithes and offerings. Could you imagine how crazy it'd be if Blake couldn't even preach because we were like, yeah, that's the word of God. Woo! 
I love the word of God. Blake's like, I want to preach. Can you just give me a minute? Blake's, Blake's sitting there and he's like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. I want to preach the word of God. Anyways, let's start making some noise in church. How about that? Let's have fun. Let's enjoy church. Johnny, let's make some noise. What do you say? Sounds so good. <laughs> oh, it sounds so good. Just, just right on. Gonna have a drink of my coffee here. Sounds good. Book of Acts. Go with me there. Chapter 1. Few notes about the book of Acts. The book of Acts was written by Luke. It wasn't written by a man named Acts. It was written by a guy named Luke, who we know that was a physician. If you go through the other books in the Bible, you find out that Luke was a doctor. He was smart. He was educated. Uh, the book of Acts was written sometime around A.D. 62 to A.D. 70. Luke died in A.D. Uh, 84, I think. Yep, died in AD 84. They think he was martyred. And here's an interesting fact. Luke obviously also wrote the book of Luke. Big shocker. Wrote the book of Acts. But those two volumes, those two books combined make up 27.2% of the, of the New Testament. Which means that Luke is the one who wrote the biggest chunk of the New Testament in volume for us. Not Paul. In, yes, in the New Testament, 27.2%. He, one author, wrote 27.2. Paul wrote a lot of works, but if you add up the volume, the amount of chapters, the amount of words, Paul wrote the, or Luke wrote the most to us, which is interesting. And Luke was an intelligent person. Now, it starts off here. Let's get into this. It says, in my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Now, Theophilus, they're not quite sure who Theophilus was. Now, listen, today we're going to do a bunch of reading, okay? We're going to work our way. The beginning of this book is important, and we're going to work our way through it. So did anybody bring, like, a Bible or, like, a phone or, like, something, glasses to read with? Whatever you need. We're going to read through this. And... That's just what we're going to do. You can look at the screen if you have to, whatever you got to do. Now, Theophilus, they don't know exactly who Theophilus was. Um, some people think Theophilus was the governor of Luke's hometown where he was born and, and lived his life, and that was in Antioch. Some people think that Theophilus could have been uh, Paul's lawyer. Or some people think that uh, Theophilus could have been somebody that Luke worked with or worked for. The point is, we don't really know who Theophilus was, but Luke was writing a letter to him, giving the accounts of Jesus and what he did, and, the, and then the disciples. So, he says here, Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving uh, further instructions through the Holy Spirit, during the 40 days after his crucifixion, he appeared to the disciples from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. This is talking about after Jesus died and rose from the dead again, he spent 40 days with the disciples. Now, he'd come and go, the Bible would say. He didn't just hang out with them 40 days straight. He would come and go, and in that 40 days, he was proved Proving to them that I actually am alive. Like, remember that time when um, Thomas didn't believe that it was Jesus, and Jesus said, "Thomas, you know what? Stick your hand in my, stick your finger in the hole in my hand, and then you'll know that it's me." Does everybody know that story? And then Thomas sticks his finger through the through the hole in Jesus' hand. Man, that would be super cool, by the way. And so he sticks his finger through the hole. He's like, oh, you are Jesus. Oh, it's Jesus. You're alive. And the Bible says that he spent these 40 days doing this, proving it to that he was alive. Then it says, 
Verse 4, one time when he was eating with them, he commanded them saying, don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. And as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. One quick note, don't you love how the New Living Translation translates the word for the Holy Spirit as the gift? The gift. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to you. Jesus said that it's better if I go away. I can't stay here. I need to go to heaven and be with God. So if I go to heaven, I can send the Holy Spirit to you. He is your gift. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to you. So enjoy it. Okay, great. Great, great. Verse 6 says, When the apostles were there with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Now, you got to remember, in the beginning of the book of the Acts, these are all Jewish people. There's no Gentiles, people who, who weren't Jewish, right? These are all Jewish people. And up to this point, the Jews were looking for a Messiah that would come and, and save them from the Roman occupation. At this time in history, uh, Rome had come and taken over, and they were running the show. They were everywhere. There was Caesar. There was all these guys, and the Roman occupation had come and taken over Israel. And so the Jews were looking for earthly, natural restoration of their kingdom. So that's what they're asking Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, are you going to restore our kingdom? Are you going to kick out the Romans and make Israel free again? And Jesus answers them. And I love this about Jesus because sometimes he will just tell you that's none of your business. Has Jesus ever told you it's none of your business? No, nobody's. I mean, he's told it to me before. Thank you, Mr. G. Thank you. It says here. The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. So mind your own business. That's not your information you need to know. But what you do need to know is this, he says in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's what you do need to know. You don't need to worry about uh, the earthly natural kingdom. What you need to know about is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Oh my goodness. Let's take a look at what that word power actually is. In the Greek, it's the word dunamis. It's number 1410, if you look it up in Strong's. And it means force, specifically miraculous power. It is miracle working power. So Jesus, when he was talking to the disciples, he said, you will receive power, authority to do miracles when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when that spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses everywhere. Thanks, Cam. And here's what's interesting. There are six expansions forced in the Christian body in the book of Acts. Let's take a look at them here. I got a slide. Number one, in chapter one to chapter six, verse seven, the church is born. 
the Holy Spirit falls, the church is born. And we spend six chapters looking at what that's like. But then number two, we see persecution and expansion happens. And that persecution forces the church to spread out. Then we see that the Gentiles are included. So up to that point, it was just the Jews. And then when there's persecution, they're forced out. And these guys are going everywhere. And then the Gentiles are included. Then we see the first missionary journey. Then we see the second and third missionary journey. Then we see at the end of the book, Paul's arrested and he finally goes to Rome. What are you seeing? Jesus said at the very beginning of the book, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses everywhere. And what do we see happening in the book of Acts? We see that God is spreading his people out and spreading his word out everywhere. And if you go and look towards the end of each of these, towards the end of verse 6, Chapter 6, verse 7, towards the end of chapter 9, somewhere around verse 31, towards the end of chapter 12 and 25, somewhere around there you will find a verse or some kind of wording that says, and the word of God spread and the body began to grow, began to flourish. The church expanded, the church grew. You will see that every time there is persecution, you will see that every time there is someone trying to stop something, that God is growing it and he is breathing on it and he's bringing life to it. And you see that in this book, That God is doing his work. There's a lot of ministries out there that call themselves like, there's churches that are called like Acts 29. There's a movement called the Acts 29 movement. The book of Acts ends at chapter 28. And the idea behind those names is that we are living in the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. And that idea is, is that we are called to be a church that looks like what you see in the book of Acts, in the word of God. We're not called to be a church on Sunday that just gets together and we feel better about ourselves for going to church. And we came and we sang some songs and somebody preached at us for half an hour. We took up an offering. We drank some coffee and ate some donuts and we had lunch at the Chinese buffet and then we go home. We're called to look like what you see in the Bible. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to play church. I don't want to play house. Who grew up playing house when they were kids? Mm-hmm. Like everybody, we all played house growing up. For some reason, we all want to be grown-ups when we're kids. And so when we're little babies, when we're toddlers, when we're four or five or six, we play house. We have like little toy kitchens. We make coffee and tea. Um, we had family dinner. Like my brother was over from the island the other night, and my brother has like a 1,000 kids. I don't know what his problem is. He's got so many kids. My sister has kids, and they're all young. Like my sister is older than me, and she's got like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Her kids are like nine nine, seven, nine and seven. And then my brother's kids are younger than that. So I go to the house. We have, we're having dinner together and there's kids everywhere, everywhere. And they're playing house. And the one, he's like three years old. He's like making me coffee on this little play kitchen. He's giving it to me coffee. And I'm pretending to eat it. And then he gave me like a piece of bread and a piece of pizza and then another piece of bread. So we had a pizza sandwich together. And we're just playing house. I don't know about you, but I don't want to play church. I don't want to play church. I don't want to come here and fake it. I don't want to come here and preach and just preach like, "Eh, yeah, great, God is good. God is good, but there is more that we are called to do. We're called to take this outside that door. Wherever it is you live your life and wherever it is you do your life, that's what we are called to be about. So back to the book of Acts. 
Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Verse 9 says, after saying this, he was taken up in the cloud of why they were watching. They could no longer see him. Verse 10 says, as they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them and said, Hey, men of Galilee, why are you still standing here staring into heaven? Jesus was taken from you, uh, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. I love how Jesus has just spoken to the disciples, given them some powerful last words. Man, if you heard those words, if you were at church on Sunday and somebody called you up and said, I got a word for you. I got a word for you. Brendan, I got a word for you, man. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to go into all the world. You're going to be my witness everywhere you go. When you're out there drywalling and you're mudding and taping, you're going to be a miracle-working witness for me. And those guys that are watching you when you're mudding those walls, they're going to see something about you. And they're going to say, what is up with Brendan? Now, if I heard that word at church, I wouldn't just be standing there watching Jesus rise up into heaven and have to have two angels come find me like, hey, man, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus is gone. (laughs) I can't see him anymore, guys. Bartholomew, do you see him up there? I think I see his foot still. Yeah, I can see his foot. See, See that bird? Go like two over, two clouds over, and there's Jesus up there. The disciples are just standing there. They're standing there so long, apparently, that, that angels come and tell them, he's gone now. He's, guys, why are you still standing here? And so the disciples pack up, and they go back to the house where they were staying. And um, the Bible says it's about a half a mile. Some translations call it a Sabbath day journey. It's about a half a mile. It's what they were allowed walking before it was considered work or exercise. And so they go back to the place where they're staying and they go up in their house and they spend time together. And the Bible says that there's about 120 of them all in this house together. And they're praying. And Peter says, well, guys, here's the deal. Like Judas betrayed us. Judas betrayed Jesus. And we got to find somebody else. The Bible says we got to find somebody else. And um, uh, so we need to pick somebody. We only have 11 disciples. You're going to 11 of us now. There's supposed to be 12 of us. We need to pick somebody new. I'm just obviously paraphrasing this. You can read this for yourself. So he says, let's pick two people who were there with us from when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan until he was risen from the dead. And they can be a witness as well of Jesus. And so they pick out two names, uh, Justice and... um, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and in verse 23 it says, and Matthias. And the Bible says, then they all prayed. Verse 24, what's it say here? It says, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen. And as an apostle replaced Judas in this ministry, for he deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle named with the other 11. Now, here's what I, I was reading through this yesterday, and I was like, this is really interesting. Why is this little tidbit included in this account in the book of Acts? Why why do we know about the disciples going home, going back to this house, and having to um, pick somebody to replace them? And I realized what was really interesting was this phrase, they cast lots. They cast lots. See, in the Old Testament... 
The way they used to find out the will of God for something was they would cast these lots. They would pray about it and say, God, show us your will. And they would cast lots. Basically, it was like rolling dice. So they would have either stones with markings on them or sticks with markings on them. And they would pray and say, God, show me what it is you want to do. Show us your will. Show us your plans. Shake, shake, shake. Blow on up for good luck. Roll it out. And then they would look at these, and whatever came up was the answer that God had for them. And it's interesting to me. See, the disciples had just spent three years with Jesus, hadn't they? Where Jesus walked around, walking on water, breaking bread, healing the sick, raising the dead, performing all kinds of miracles. You can rest assured that when Jesus was around, the disciples and Jesus weren't out there casting lots to find out what God wanted to do. But Jesus is gone now, and this is before the Holy Spirit has showed up. So the disciples have to get mind of God on something like, how are we going to figure out what God wants us to do? And they have to go back to the old way, to the old system. And here's what I want to say. Isn't it great for you and me that we don't have to go back to an old way of God moving and working in our life because we have the Holy Spirit here and now? You don't got to go home and get out your park cheesy board or your Yahtzee dice and roll them, put them out the thing. God, should I marry this man? God, should I marry this woman? She's so beautiful. Should I marry this person? Please say yes. Please say yes. You don't have to go home and get your magic eight ball and shake it up over and over again. You've got the Holy Spirit in your life who is the spirit of truth that God sent down to you so that you can go to him whenever you need. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is that it reminds you of everything that Jesus said. So the disciples had to go. And I love, here's what I love. Verse 26, they cast lots. And chapter 2, verse 1 starts off with the day of Pentecost. And it is such a contrast between the old way, the old things they had to do, and the new way. And it's a great reminder for us that we are living in a new day with a new system where God is present in your life in every situation and everywhere you go and everything you're dealing with, you've got the Holy Spirit there with you. Somebody should get excited about that. Now, chapter 2, verse 1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Everybody say, in one place. The New King James says, in one accord. In one accord. And the rest of the verse says this. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. Some translations say in tongues. But what is actually the real translation, what you see happening down here, is they are literally speaking in unknown languages to them. Does everybody here speak English? As evidenced by your answer. Fantastic. These guys all spoke a certain language. And then the Holy Spirit falls on them. And the Bible says they began speaking in unknown languages to them. Languages they don't know how to speak. And I made a note about that word saying one accord. It's hot up in here. Get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> One accord is homothematon. And it means this, unanimously and with one mind. So these guys were all together in one place with one mind, with one purpose, with one desire. 
Now, what was that desire? Jesus had told them, go back and wait for the gift that I promised you. Go back and wait for the Holy Spirit. So they are there up in this house with one purpose, with one mind. We are waiting for whatever it is God is sending to us. And when you are waiting and you are in one accord, guess what happens? God begins to move on your behalf. And here's what's great. You know what I love? Is the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came and it looked like tongues of fire on their head. Now where else do we see fire in the Bible? Well, if you go to the Old Testament, weren't the Israelites, the Jewish people, and these are all Jewish people we're talking about right now, weren't they led out of Israel by a pillar of fire by night? And isn't it amazing how God shows up in a way that's a little bit different, but still, oh, I've seen this before. I've heard about this before. I know this. This is God. These little tongues of fire, blink, blink, blink. Blank. These little tongues of fire show up above their heads, symbolizing that it is God, that it's the Spirit of God, that it's God is moving. That's where we get the expression, being baptized by the Spirit and of fire. That's where that expression comes from. Verse 5 says, At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. They said, how can this be? These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we hear, all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. Can I just tell you right here and right now that the Holy Spirit will always point to God. He will always point to Jesus. The Holy Spirit was moving, and what are they saying? They are saying the wonderful works of God. Let me show you a picture here. Can you put up that map? There you go. So this map is a picture of the Middle East. And you see Judea there with the fire above it. And then you see all those places listed. And you see where those names are at. That's where those people came from. See, Pentecost was 50 days from Passover. And Pentecost, the way God had set it up, it was a pilgrimage, and the men had to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And so these people from all over the place, God orchestrated to be there. God set it up so that on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God fell, when the Holy Spirit showed up, God set it up. He orchestrated it. He made it happen so that these people were all there waiting. And if you can look at that map, that's not a short distance to come. Even in today's standards, you would have to travel for a while to get to some of those places. From Rome to Judea, 
That's not like going to Safeway across the street. It's not like a drive to Vancouver. You got to move some stuff to get there. You got to take a plane for some of these. You got to get on a boat for some of these. You got to get there. And God set it up so that on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit, when the promise, when the gift showed up, God orchestrated it so these people were there. And you know the great thing about God? Was he orchestrated in such a way that all those people from all those different places could understand what was being said about him. He didn't just get them there halfway and they could hear somebody talking and not know what they were saying. He got them all the way there and had it translated into their own language so they knew the goodness of God. All right, let's go on. We're almost done. Hang on. Let's look at um, verse 12. It says, They stood there amazed and perplexed, and they said, What can this mean? They asked each other. These are all the people that showed up from all the different places. They heard the sound. And you know, for a long time, I thought that sound was the sound of the rushing wind. But if you look up that word sound, <clears throat> Jaden, do we have a slide there for that? I think we do. It's the Greek word. And it's actually the word phone, spelt, wait for it, P-H-O-N-E. Yeah. So in the New Living Translation, in verse 5, when it says, when all the people heard a loud noise, it's the word is the word phone, and it's phone. And it's a tone, a sound, by implication, an address, saying or language, noise, sound, or voice. And it wasn't the sound of the rushing wind that drew them. It was the sound of 120 people all talking with excitement at the same time about the goodness of God. It was their voices that drew them there. Don't you love God's playing the first game of telephone? It's the word phone. Phone A. And God got those people there by hearing in their own languages these people, these strangers speak about them. And it says, they show up and they say, what can this mean? Other people in the crowd laughed and joked and ridiculed saying they're drunk. That's all. Verse 14 says this. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles, and he shouted to the crowd. Then Peter stepped forward. And here's a thought for you. This is Peter's first recorded message. This is Peter's first recorded sermon in the Word of God. And a lot of us are content to see the Holy Spirit move and say, wow, that's amazing, wow, that's awesome, and then not say anything else about it. Oh, God just moved. We saw good. And then people show up and say, what's happening? And your answer is, God moved. It's so cool. It's amazing. Look what just happened. Peter had the same choice right then and there that me and you have every time we see God move. And Peter, what does he do? He chooses to move and step forward and began to talk and share about Jesus Christ. Began to talk with those people and say, let me tell you what's happening here. Let me tell you what's taking place. This is Jesus
He says, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people aren't drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, he said, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And now he begins to quote Joel chapter 2. And he says, in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Everybody say all. Say all. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. You know what I see in that verse? I see the Holy Spirit pouring out on all people. I see sons and daughters. I see young and old. I see servants. I see men and women. And I see them all prophesying and talking about the goodness of God. It is all people. If you skip down to verse 21, he says, everybody who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Everybody who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. It's God's will. It's God's desire that no man perish, that nobody goes to hell, that nobody lives a life of separation from him. His desire for you is to live a life in relationship with him. There are people that believe in what is called predestination, where God chose certain people that will be saved and live for him and people that he did not choose. Like a big game of, uh, you know, basketball when you're in high school and you stand and everybody's got to pick teams and God said I choose you I choose you I don't want this person I want this person but here's the truth of the matter the Bible says that God does not want anybody to perish none of them nobody and he says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved not might be saved not could be saved not if they're good enough not if they don't make enough mistakes not if they just don't screw up one more time but he says they will be saved stand up with me I would encourage you to, when you spend time yourself reading your Bible and praying this week, which I wholeheartedly encourage you all to do on a consistent daily basis, I would encourage you to begin to dive into the book of Acts because it's a picture of what church is supposed to look like. Those people were all in one accord. There's a lot of talk in the Bible about unity in the body and no divisions and walking in love and love covers a multitude of sins. And the longer I think about this, the more I can't get away from the thought 
that one of the reasons unity in the body of Christ is so important is so that the Holy Spirit can come in the middle of us and work what it is God desires to do. If there's divisions, if there's frustrations, if there's separation, if there's anger, if there's all these things taking place, then the Holy Spirit can't move the way He desires because we're too busy fussing about stuff that doesn't matter. Colossians talks about putting on love, which is the bond of perfection. Those guys were sitting around the house with one goal, with one purpose. And they didn't even know what that really was other than Jesus said to them, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. You gotta remember, they had no context for what the Holy Spirit was. They had never seen the Holy Spirit like what Jesus was talking about. So they're sitting around waiting for something they're not quite sure what, but they know that they know that they know that Jesus said, go and wait and I'll send them to you. So what do they do? They go and they wait. And you know, they were up in that house for about 10 days. By seven days, actually. That's a long time to be waiting. When we walk in unity and we walk in one accord and we would love reign and rule in our hearts, the Spirit of God begins to move. And just as I'm standing here speaking right now, I think the the Holy Spirit wants to do something. And if you're in this place, if you're in this place right now, yeah, if you're in this place right now and there is divisions in your heart, if there is separations in your heart, if there is walls that you have placed there, if there is hurts that you've allowed to grow up and be strong and be fortified, I would tell you today that God is wanting to break those things down so that He can begin to move again in the body of Christ. The way that we see here, where the Spirit moves and people are drawn and they begin asking questions saying, what is happening in this place? What is happening with you? And then you can say, let me tell you what's going on. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I want you to let the Spirit of God speak to you. And if there are things in your heart that you have put up, walls, hurts, pains, where you know that you're not living in one accord with your brothers and sisters in Christ, with your family members, 
listen, one of the things that God said to us was that this year was going to be a year of unity. And sometimes a year of unity doesn't take place without addressing some things head on and saying, let's tear these walls down. And I want to let you, let God speak to you for a second. you to ask God in your own words is there walls that I've put up in my heart God is there things that I've put that are causing me to be separated am I separating the body of Christ am I separating my family am I causing division God show me if there is show me those areas in my life everybody's eyes closed here's what I want you to do if God is speaking to you and showing you things about yourself and listen everybody's got their eyes closed in here but if God is speaking to you and showing you that you have walls in your life that you are being separated that you've pulled yourself away for whatever reason I want you just to slip your hand up and we're gonna pray together I see that hand I see that hand I see those hands I see them keep them up keep them up It can be walls of pride. It can be walls of hurt. They can be walls of shame. It can be walls of anger, frustration, fear. All kinds of walls that will creep into your life to cause separation. And we're going to pray together right now. Keep those eyes closed. And we're going to pray. If you've got your hand raised, raise it high like you are getting rid of something. Not like you're ashamed of having walls in your life, but you're saying, I'm getting rid of this in my life. God, take this like you're trying to pass it to him. So, Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus for your healing power that destroys the yoke of bondages in our lives, in our hearts. Father, we thank you for your blood that was shed on the cross that brought healing to our lives, to our minds, to our bodies. And I say in the name of Jesus right now that those walls are demolished, that those things in our heart that have caused us to be separated, that have caused us to be ununified, that have caused us to be divided, I say in the name of Jesus, those walls come down right now those walls of fear, those walls of shame, those hurts, those angers, those frustrations, that madness, God, that we say those things in the name of Jesus, they fall today to your name. I speak healing power in Jesus' name, demolishing those strongholds, demolishing those strongholds, breaking those strongholds, breaking them off in the name of Jesus. They have no rights. They have no authority. They have no place to stay. And Father, I thank you right now in your, in your son's name that you are bringing healing, health, and life. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. 
If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.